We'd like to thank Noda by M&T Bank for their generous support of this podcast. To learn more, visit TrustNoda.com. Terms and conditions may apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Michael Semanchik and I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded from the ABA Tech Show 2021. Joining me now, I have George Saharis. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And before we get started, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you work and what do you do? Absolutely. So uh, as I mentioned, my name is George. I am the chief operating officer at a company called Clio. As some folks might know, we are a legal practice management uh, platform that focuses on helping lawyers deliver an excellent client experience. Uh, and I've had the pleasure of working with Clio and the Clio team for just over 10 years now. Wow, a full decade. Great. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And we're here to actually talk about something that you did today. So can you uh, talk to us about your session at the ABA Tech Show? Yeah, absolutely. So I had the pleasure of being part of the marketing track at uh, day three, uh, today being Wednesday. Uh, of ABA Tech Show. And I uh, walked the audience through a session on creating client-centered marketing. Uh, and so developing marketing and improving the way that law firms market to prospective clients uh, by focusing in on client experience. And that is a totally different take than probably most lawyers are going about their marketing. Yeah, I think it's a interesting reframe of the way I found a lot of folks think about uh, business development and marketing in general. And it's a, a broad topic but it was uh, fun to also get into a couple of more specific applied examples and, and try to make it more tangible for everyone. Well, it's not always easy to see things from the client's point of view. So aside from being just a good person, why is taking that client-centric approach uh, critical to building and marketing your, your business or your law firm? Yeah, it's a, a great great call out, Michael. Like, Sure, it's, it's great to be well-intentioned and have a high degree of empathy, but the single biggest reason I can point to is that frankly, it's a lot more highly effective. Uh, for firms looking to grow and those that have decided that they need more business, uh, you know, adopting an approach like this and being a lot more client-focused in the way that you both provide and deliver your services, but also in the way that you market uh, and make yourself discoverable, but also convince folks to, to take the plunge and to actually inquire uh, is just far more successful. Fascinating. So, you know, looking back 10 years, 20 years, the giant billboard, the bus stops, the, those types of, of ads, you know, the yellow pages, those were kind of the, the, the nitty gritty for, for lawyer advertising. How should people be advertising today if you're a lawyer and you're trying to, to get more clients? A very important place to, to zoom in. I mean, hey, I think some people might still be getting results from billboards. And if they are, good for them, right? Well, uh, do whatever works is, uh, is the way anyone should look at uh, marketing. But, you know, I think and I talked about this a bit in the session today, a couple of major steps are really getting a lot closer and more informed on who your ideal client profile is. So really understanding who it is you're trying to speak to, because that will you know, give you a bit more specificity in terms of, are these the types of people that read billboards or drive anywhere? We'll see them at all, right? And begins this process of narrowing down uh, where you spend your marketing dollars and get much more intentional. Now, in a more broad sense, what our research has found uh, over the years is that folks really default to two places these days. And again, it will vary by practice area and, and specific focus. But first, they look for referrals from close personal connections. So these can be family members, they can be colleagues, but the biggest first stop and the approach most folks use 
is really looking for a referral to someone that folks have worked with in the past. Uh, and those can be highly personal referrals or uh, they can be uh, online recommendations and reviews as well. In addition to that, we see a lot of folks uh, conduct their own searches. So go to the internet primarily and look around and, and that'll show up of course, in a number of ways. They go to everything from uh, Google searches to uh, you know blogs and social media posts to other discoverable items to, to get themselves informed on who they could possibly work with depending on the area. That's interesting. So I know you've talked a little bit about, um, you know, kind of looking at your clients after you've had a relationship with them, kind of looking sort of the post-transaction market approach, right? So you figure out who your client is now. How do I get more of the same? Is that kind of what you're trying to figure out here? Yeah. And in the marketing world, it's often referred to as something called lookalike modeling. And uh, at different points of our own personal journeys, we've all been lookalike modeled. That is, you go and look at the customers that you have had, uh, and you look at those ones that have worked the best for you and decide what does this person or consumer or business look like and how do I find more of them, right? How do I model uh, after this uh, successful transaction that I've had? And of course, you want to start that process by making sure they've had a really great experience and are likely to fire up that referral engine uh, post-transaction or, or post-sale as it might be. Uh, but you also want to know who's out there that fits this mold that is not doing business with me right now that applies across a wide swath of industries and, and service areas. And I think it's just as applicable to how we should think about uh, legal marketing. So trying to figure out how they got to you is probably part of that too, right? So I imagine you do some sort of a conversion deep dive. That's right. So a couple of things to track are, are various lead sources. So can we identify and track what we've invested in and how they found their way to something like our website? Uh, or some other property, which would have uh, then a conversion point. Uh, and often this is called in marketing, uh, a call to action or CTA for short. There's something you want them to do, right? They want to inquire or hit a button or call you, whatever it is, you can decide what that CTA is. Uh, and you also want to track how people got there. And so if you have a specific ideal customer profile that you want to go lookalike model, and they prefer to engage with you, say, in online chat versus uh, calling in, you know, there's potentially an optimization you can make to really tailor the experience to what they prefer to do. And again, that'll vary widely, but it all starts with getting curious and to a certain extent intentional of the experience you put in front of them. So part of that, looking at calls calls to action and trying to, to dial into what are people actually interested in doing or what, what drives them to you is uh, something that's called A-B testing. So what is that? If you can give us a quick summary of that, just so somebody might, you know, if they hear about it and their web designer tells them, hey, you need to do some A-B testing, what is that? Yeah, that's a, a great call out. Uh, an A-B test is a, a contained experiment where you'd want to explore one variable, make one change, and see if one uh, version of something performs in a different way than another. So to make that a bit more applied and tangible, you might go to a website uh, and load it and see that half the time you get a green button to click and half the time you get a red button to click. What effectively uh, the vendor or whoever's running that website is doing is running an A-B test to see what gets more people to click. Is it red or is it green? Uh, and it's a method that you can use to do really small contained experiments and obviously control for a lot of other noise. You see it a lot in marketing just because uh, the flow of web traffic to a lot of websites is significant enough to allow for really successful A-B testing, uh, but it's not confined to that. It's a, a method you can use in trying an idea and testing a variable uh, in lots of different ways. So we've talked a little bit about the internet. People are still picking up the phone and making phone calls. And I know you talked a little bit about this in your, in your uh, session today. Often lawyers are a little bit too busy to return calls or emails quickly. So 
you know, what are we losing by not making the call back? What are we losing by not responding to the email? Yeah, that's such a such an important point and uh, a place where it it always uh, reminds me that we're we're often overwhelmed by the changes that we're proposed making and getting better at. But sometimes it starts simple. Uh, it's not huge changes. So just to to get into more context there, when we've pulled clients and prospective clients on what the top factor is for them in selecting their law firm, uh, the number one response is responsiveness or the time to response to an inquiry. Most people uh, around 80% in our research find expect a response within the first 24 hours. Doesn't matter whether it's fair or not, right? Just putting yourself in their headspace. That's what they're expecting when they go and fill out a form or call and are expecting a call back and so on, or send you an email for that matter. And so we thought to ourselves a couple of years ago, actually in doing legal trends report research, how does that compare versus the experience they're having? Well, we asked, uh, you know, consumers and found that 65% of them reported reaching out to a law firm and never hearing back. We thought, wow, that seems, that seems really high. (laughs) Wow. And so we followed that up with actually putting it to the test. So we identified a thousand law firms in the United States and uh, basically emailed them with what we thought looked like qualified inquiries using a third-party research firm and found that 60% of those inquiries never received a response. So you got the top factor being responsiveness <laughs> and expect- an expectation of a 24-hour uh, response time, uh, you know, compared to 60% of inquiries going unanswered at all. And this is a, you know, an anecdote that circles around legal and that's how far the chasm is. Now, there, to your point earlier, there's some really good reasons for that. People are busy doing other things. They're not sitting there by the phone, watching it ring, not picking it up and, uh, and converting new business. And so that is one of the uh, interesting challenges of legal profession, especially in solo practices and small firms, is you can't be two places at once. You want to be doing utilizing as much of your time toward client-facing activities as possible. And who knows? You're in court. You're meeting with a client. You can't pick up the phone. That's one of those places where, uh, you know, in my role at Clio, we think a lot about delivering technologies that maybe don't allow you to be in two places at the same time, but can automate steps and really uh, get the process started with your clients. A great example would be something like automated online intake, where people can feel like they're filling out a form, they're starting to engage with you in different steps. Uh, another piece can be actually setting expectations. So with without any other expectation set, you're like, I better hear back in 24 hours but a simple thing I believe everyone can do as an example is, hey, thanks for filling out the form. Here's what you can expect from us. Then, of course, that kind of puts you on on the clock, so to speak, to deliver uh, against those expectations. Right. But at least you can set your own parameters and give them something back that they know what when to expect to hear from you. Exactly. And something's better than nothing, right? People walking around with whatever expectations they're setting on their end because they're there uh, for sure. Right. Tell us about the, imp- the importance of net promoter scores and client feedback. Yeah, that's a a really important point and something I I touched upon in the presentation as well. So net promoter score is something that folks have probably experienced, uh, even if they've never heard of it. Uh, It's a particular kind of customer satisfaction metric that is one of the most popular across industries and and across different uh, verticals and markets. And it's simple. It's a a likelihood to recommend survey. So essentially, you send a survey uh, with a scale of zero to 10 and ask people, how likely are you to recommend whatever product or service you just experienced to a friend or a colleague? And uh, folks are classified into promoters, uh, detractors, and passives. And there's a way that you come up with a score that you can track as a pattern that goes up and down. Uh, And most major brands out there do this. But the important piece is, it's kind of viewed as the single strongest indicator you can collect from someone on where their head is at after completing an experience with you. For an industry like legal, where referrals and recommendations from friends and colleagues are the number one source of new business. They're as important as, as can be. 
Uh, and so uh, one of the things that's really advantageous about it is it's just a simple survey. You can automate it or choose to send it out at any point of your client experience. And it's really, really easy from the customer's perspective as well. They just have to fill out a short survey and they can choose to leave uh, comments and feedback if, if they so want to. Uh, and yeah, I think it's one of the many customer satisfaction metrics and ways of collecting feedback that uh, you can participate in. And you just be really, really surprised in terms of what you learn. Uh, you can see, you know, giving an example, even what I experienced, because we use this a lot at Clio, you can have people giving you a 10 out of 10, but still giving you a laundry list of feedback on how you can be better. <laughs> you can have people who give you a three out of 10 and are, you know, look displeased, but actually got a lot of value out of the service but might need to see something more, some expectation that was misset that you never even realized uh, was, was there. And so, yeah, highly recommend that. Uh, I'd say our research tends to find that law firms very rarely actually collect feedback from their clients in an intentional way. Uh, and it's an, another one of those places where uh, simple changes can actually yield really, really big impacts. And I could see another opportunity there is somebody comes back and says 10 out of 10, best service ever you could always follow up and say, do you mind if I put your, your uh, review on my website? Exactly. And now you've got some real client that is talking about the services that you provide. And now you're, you're building some SEO into the content on the homepage or whatever, you know. And conquering that battle against reviews on third-party sites as well, right? And uh, exactly. sending people a friendly, optional reminder to, uh, to share their experience. Absolutely. So last real big question here is how should lawyers be measuring their marketing efforts and what are the key, what are the proper key performance indicators that they should be um, tracking? Yeah, really important area. I think it's a place where law firms should start simple uh, and where you can get really, you know, there's a lot of uh, academic and business discourse out there on marketing ROI and whole uh, glossaries of, uh, of marketing terms and KPIs. But I think the big ones are fairly simple lead source and tracking your number of website visitors by lead sources is really, really important because you're putting a lot of money and time perhaps into advertising, marketing, doing business development. And you want to know like, where is the, the traffic coming from uh, that's coming to my site, especially uh, in a, a cloud first world that we've been living in for, uh, for the last 12 months. And I believe we'll, we'll stay in for quite forever, basically. So that's a big one. Then once you've got those to the website, you want to see your conversion rate. So of these inquiry, or sorry, of these website visits that I'm getting, how many are converting into new inquiries and how many of those are converting into new business or new clients? And if you want to get more advanced, something you can do from there is look at the overall kind of value of that client. Uh, so if I spend a bunch of money, for example, I'm getting a lot of inquiries from a certain source, but the clients are all much lower uh, in terms of overall value uh, and the revenue they generate, I might reconsider how much investment I put or, or what an acceptable amount of investment is. But all of it kind of boils back to giving me more clarity and allowing me to be more intentional uh, of how I'm putting myself out there and, and what paid channels in particular I'm deciding to make investments in. All fascinating stuff. Well, we've reached the end of the road for this episode. I want to thank George for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you listeners for tuning in. If you, would, if you like what you heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.